Church family, this, this entire summer, we have been studying the biblical book of 1 John. And if you are new with us today, there are many new folks every week out in the summer. Don't worry, you can jump right in with us. We are studying the book of 1 John. If you have the Bible app on your phones, you can follow along there. If you would like a physical copy of the Bible, we have some right on our connect table. I think we have some on our prayer station over there. Feel free to pick one of those up. That's yours. We want you to have a physical copy of the Bible. This summer, we are just going line by line, verse by verse. And if you have been with us, I I hope you've appreciated this study. My goodness, as much as I have, I have absolutely loved this. Hey, for you kids that are with us, we want you to know what we adults are doing. We are going line by line, verse by verse in this book that we call 1 John because we adults, we want to get in the habit of reading God's Word, not just on Sundays, but every day, and not just reading it, but studying it, maybe even memorizing God's Word. We feel that it's that important, so kids, I hope you too, kids, I hope you too are in the habit of reading your Bible every day, every night. It's so important. It's so important because the way of God is different than the way of the world. Do you have an understanding of that, that the way of God is different than the way of the world? And and maybe you know that, right? I think a lot of people around the world have some kind of understanding that, yes, God asked Christians to live a different lifestyle. But here's the most important question for us today. Christians, have you bought into that? Christians, are you ready to be different? Are you ready to live differently? Are you ready to treat your neighbors differently? Are you ready to live under a different and a true reality? Because here's the thing about human nature. What we humans want to do is we want to remain the same. We want to do what we want to do. And so a lot of people who come to God through Jesus Christ, our natural inclination is to not change at all, to not let God change us, but to stay exactly the same as we have always been, maybe even with God's approval and blessing. But that's not what God offers us. God offers us something different. God offers us something better. God offers us something different. And friends, today's message is different. What we are going to cover as we start chapter 4 of 1 John is the spiritual world. Today we are going to talk about the spiritual world, unseen things, spiritual warfare even. That's a different message. But I've got to tell you, if, if, if you're new with us or, or maybe if you're just running by on the trail right now and you think, man, that's, that's, that's a little bit weird. Hey, listen, if, if you read Scripture at all, if you read the Bible at all, this book is filled with accounts of the supernatural. Is it not? To dismiss the supernatural is to dismiss God's Word. There's an account, I want to take you back a few thousand years before we even get started today. There's an account from the Old Testament. 
2 Kings chapter 6. It centers around this prophet called Elisha. This prophet called Elisha. And where we are in world history is that the Israelites are at war with a people group called the Moabites. The Israelites are at war with the Moabites. The Moabites were the superior army. They should have been winning this war. But every time they did a battle maneuver, they were outflanked by the Israelites. Every single time. It was like in football, if, if an opponent stole somebody's playbook, right? It's like the Israelites were the New England Patriots, and they stole the playbook of the other team. The Israelites, they knew exactly what the Moabites were doing at every turn. It's football season, y'all. You know we're going to get some football references in here. So the Moabite king was upset that the Israelites seemed to know what they were doing every time they did something. Moabite king went to his advisors and said, who's the traitor? Who is the spy among us that is recording everything that I am telling you to do? Which one of you is the spy? The advisor said, none of us is a spy. The problem is the Israelites have this man of God called Elisha. And the God of the universe is supernaturally telling him everything that you are telling us. And so the Moabite king said, all right, there's only one solution to this problem. We've got to go get Elisha. And so the king sent his army, his whole army, or a big portion of it, to surround Elisha. Elisha was in this little tiny town. The army of the Moabites came to surround Elisha and Elisha's servants. So picture this. I must feel like Elisha now because I'm just one person surrounded by a whole wonderful group of people right now. But it's like if you were an army <laughs> and you were coming up against me. That's how Elisha felt and that's how Elisha's servant felt. So Elisha's servant looked at the entire Moabite army that was coming to capture them, and he said, Jigs up, we're done, game's over. Elisha was a little bit more confident than that because Elisha could see what everybody else there could not see. 2 Kings 6.17 says this, Elisha prayed, Open my servant's eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's the supernatural world. That's the world that we can't see. We believe that this was a historical account, and it's all real. The reason I share this Old Testament story with you for just a few minutes before we even get started is to say this. Our sight is limited. Do you have an understanding that your sight is limited? What you can see with your tiny human eyes and what you can observe with your tiny human mind is not all that there is. And can I be real with you for just a moment? And maybe you can sympathize if you are new to the faith or if you are not yet a Christian. That makes it really hard to worship God, does it not? 
What makes it really hard to worship God and to put our full trust in God is that we can't see God, at least not physically in this realm, right? And, and, and can I be very real with you and just lay it out on a line? Again, we Christians, we, we don't want to be nominal Christians. We don't want to go to church sometimes. We, we don't want to just pray before a meal sometimes. We want to give our life to God. We want to trust God with our everything. But it's really hard to do that when we can't see God like I can see all of you, right? Have you ever thought that, Christians? I think probably most of us have. It's hard for us to see the supernatural just by its nature. Most of us don't see angels on a day-to-day basis. Science can't prove miracles. And so it is just easier for us to trust in what we can see. We've got to admit that today. But can I ask you another question? Can you really see everything? Can you really see everything? Can science really observe everything that there is? For instance, our most powerful space telescope, the James Webb Telescope. By the way, have you seen those beautiful, beautiful images over the last couple months that that this telescope is putting out? These gorgeous images of the universe that God created. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's the most advanced piece of space equipment that we have, the James Webb Telescope. Do you know what percentage of the universe the James Webb Telescope can observe? What percentage of the universe do you think that most advanced telescope can see? What do you think? Anybody? I'm seeing a couple hands go up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the mystery away. 5%. Our most advanced technology can observe 5% of the universe. We think. We think. We have no idea because it's all theoretical. And that's just the deal. Every time we invent a better microscope, every time we invent a better telescope, we see things that we have never seen before. And so you and I should not be so quick to dismiss the things we can't see. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope it does. We ought not to be so quick to dismiss what we can't see. Another word for what we can't see is the supernatural. So we we ought not to be so quick to dismiss the supernatural. To dismiss the supernatural is to dismiss all of Scripture. To dismiss the supernatural is to dismiss Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ cast out demons. That's supernatural. We believe in it. Jesus Christ, his, his life and his death and his resurrection were filled with the presence of angels. And so John is going to speak to us today about the supernatural. We are in 1 John chapter 4. Bear with me again. A little hard to read scripture with that handheld mic. Here we go. I'm going to read this. We're just in the first few verses of 1 John chapter 4. John writes, Dear friends, do not believe, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world. You, dear children, you're from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirits of falsehood. So here's the reality that is very difficult for you and I to face today. There is a war going on for your soul. There is a war going on for your soul. I'm so glad that our children are here with us today. They're among us. They're coloring right now. They're playing. I'm so glad we can see our children today because there is a war going on for the souls of our children. If you are taking notes in your Bible, would you turn to verse 6? And would you underline the spirit of truth? And would you underline the spirit of falsehood? We could not take this seriously enough. Maybe you have sensed that we are living in a very confusing world. Have you sensed that? Have you sensed all the voices that are coming at you, the thousands, the infinite number of voices that are trying to tell you what to do that don't agree with one another? It is a very confusing time, but I don't think in 2022 we're anything special. I suspect that every generation has been confused about something. Times change. But what remains the same is that there has always been, there has always been a spirit of falsehood that wants to tempt us away from the truth. There has always been a spirit of falsehood that wants to tempt us away from the truth. And what God wants you and I to walk away with today is to simply recognize that. That lies are always there to tempt us away from the truth. Always. And here's the first first truth that we have to admit today. Is that that temptation that exists, that temptation that wants to draw you away from our Heavenly Father, it is always going to come in a very attractive way. It's going to be specific to you. It's going to come in an attractive way. You know Satan's not going to appear to you in red tights and a pitchfork, right? That's not how Satan comes at us. Satan comes at us in attractive ways. Genesis 3, 6 says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Temptation is always attractive. Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
And Paul warns in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Today, we have to admit that there is a spiritual struggle going on. Some of it we can, some of it we can sense. There's a lot of it that we cannot see. That battle's going on not only for your soul, but in our children's souls. Truth versus lies, light versus darkness, good versus evil. You get to choose. But to choose, we have to recognize the difference. To choose a side in this cosmic conflict, you and I have to recognize the difference. Let's go verse by verse very quickly this morning. Verse 1 says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. If you are taking notes in your Bible, you may want to underline, do not believe every spirit. This is so, so vitally important. There are so many voices competing for your attention. Have you ever thought about all the voices, all the influences there are in your life? Can we list some general ones? Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, media, social media, Republicans, Democrats. All of them influence us, either subconsciously or consciously. Hey, for our kids that are with us, I wonder how many voices are trying to influence them. Parents, do you know all of the voices that are trying to influence your children? We don't like to think about it because that thought is very, very scary. With all of those voices, with all of those influences in our life, it is our obligation, it is our obligation to test those spirits. It is our obligation to test what is right. Does that make sense? If you're taking notes, circle, test the spirits. And from my mind and from my money, there's only one criteria to test all of these influences in our life. Is it from God? Is it not from God? Does that make sense? Hey, a really, hey, a really, really good exercise for all of us today would be to take a sheet of paper and list everything that you are influenced by. Just list it. Everything you are influenced by. And then, if you have, if you have kids, do this with your kids, too. Make two columns. Column A says it's from God. Column B says it's not from God. And just put a check. Versus everything that you allow to have a voice in your life. Is it from God or is it not from God? Friends, if it influences you, test it. Test what I say. All the books you read, all the podcasts you listen to. Hey, if you know what's going on in our denomination, test that. Is it from God or is it not from God? And be careful because 2 Timothy Chapter 4 says, for the time will come <laughs> when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. 
They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's just human nature. It is human nature for us to listen to what we want to hear. But our God so often does not tell us what we want to hear. Our God tells us what we need to hear. That's the voice that you and I want to listen to. That's the voice you and I need to listen to. What do we need to hear? And we want to follow God so desperately. And so how do we, how do we recognize the Spirit of God? John's going to elaborate. Verses 2 and 3. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world. Again, this is the spiritual battle, friends. The Spirit of God against the Spirit of the Antichrist. What is the difference? What is the difference between the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of the Antichrist? If you're taking notes, circle, acknowledge Jesus. That's the difference. Acknowledge Jesus Listen to this. we got to go back 2,000 years ago, and we've got to realize exactly why John was writing this particular letter. The biggest trouble in the early church was wrong teaching about Jesus. That was the biggest difficulty in the early church. So many of the letters in the New Testament were written to combat false teaching about Jesus by those false prophets that John talks about. Now today, not really much different. I would go so far to say is our faith hinges on a right understanding of Jesus. That makes sense to me, right? But I don't think that statement goes far enough. Our entire life hinges on a right understanding of exactly who Jesus is. Your life does. Your kids' life do. Your marriage hinges on a right understanding of Jesus Christ. Your singleness hinges on a right understanding of Jesus Christ. Yes, your past, your present, your future, all of your relationships. You and I have got to get who Jesus Christ is right. What it hinges on is believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, fully God, fully human, who came to earth 2,000 years ago to die for our sins. And whoever believes, whoever believes in Jesus Christ is reconciled to the God of the universe. It is by faith alone, through grace alone, by Jesus alone, that we are saved. And that understanding shapes who you are. Or it could shape who you are if it doesn't right now. And friends, there are going to be so many voices. There are going to be so many people that influence your life who want to whisper to you, you don't really believe that, do you? 
Because Christians, when you and I confess that, yes, God came to earth 2,000 years ago and the person of Jesus Christ died for my sins, I am reconciled to the God of the universe. I know it because he walked out of the grave three days after he went in. I'm going to heaven. When we use language like that and we are proud of it and we base our life off of it, there are going to be so many people in your life who say, you don't really believe that, do you? That sounds silly. That sounds crazy. You don't really believe, do you? And I've got to say with full sincerity and with love, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. The people in your life that are telling you you're silly for waking up early in this Sunday morning to go to, to worship, those people are not evil. Those people are not awful people. But I will say that they serve the spirit that is against Christ. And you and I must take this very, very seriously. We have to take these spiritual forces, friends, very, very seriously because they are very, very real. They are very, very powerful. And they really, really don't want you to be with God in paradise forever so what can you and i do in light of this spiritual warfare john says you dear children you're from god and you have overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who is in the world <laughs> now this right here this is a dynamic that we have got to get right in our minds. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not about to, about to offend anybody right now. Sometimes I do that. It is never intentional. I never mean to offend anybody. But I've seen t-shirts sometimes. I've seen t-shirts sometimes that say something like, not today, Satan. If you own one of these t-shirts, I love you, not making fun of you. Sometimes I'll see t-shirts that go further than that, like, Satan's going to be sorry that I woke up today. I'm not judging your wardrobe choices. What I am is saying, I would not be that bold to call down Satan. I really wouldn't be bold enough to call down Satan by wearing a cute t-shirt because Satan is real. And he is very, very powerful. Spiritual warfare is real. And it is very, very powerful. I, hey, friends. If the veil of reality were pulled back right now, if God allowed us to see the things that were going on around us in the universe, I think it would shock us. And that's an understatement that I'll reserve because our kids are with us today. I think if we saw what was really going on around us, we would be shocked. We would be surprised. And we get a sense of that all through Scripture. And what we read in 2 Kings with the army of chariots surrounding that nobody could see, we get that sense in Revelation, right? When John is on Patmos and God pulled back the veil of reality so he could see all of these fantastic things. The language in Revelation. Have you ever tried to read Revelation, by the way? I am a professional theologian. I have been to seminary. I love to study God's Word. That is my job. 
I have no idea what Revelation is. I, I, I just I have no idea. So if you've read Re- Revelation and you don't understand it to its full extent, please don't worry about that. Nobody does. You know why nobody understands Revelation? First of all, God wants us to have it. He gave that vision to John. He wants us to have it. What it means, I'm not completely sure. I know one thing it means. We have no idea what's really going on. Because human language cannot do it justice. Human language can't possibly do it justice. Poor John had a very difficult job when he was trying to describe all the things he was seeing around him. What I'm trying to say is this. Against the spiritual forces of the enemy, you and I are completely powerless. You and I are completely powerless. Let me amend that statement. You and I alone are completely powerless. However... If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have allowed the Holy Spirit to live inside the temple that is you, you are no longer powerless, amen? You are powerful. You have already overcome is what John is saying here. Speaking of revelation, we know how the story ends. You and I have already overcome. Nothing that happens in this world can prevent us from eternal reward. Let's close with this this morning. Let's close with this this morning. Verses 5 and 6. John writes, They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. But we're different. We're from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is how John closes this section, and this is how you and I are going to close today. It is just the most practical advice that John can give us in the midst of spiritual warfare. And it's this most important question. Who are you listening to? Who are your kids listening to? The word listen is in these two verses three times. If you're taking notes, circle it. Who is influencing you in your life? Who are you allowing your kids to be influenced by and to consume the things, the people, the media that you surround yourself with? Are those things filled with the spirit of truth or are they not? C.S. Lewis once wrote, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And so, yes, we here take that very, very seriously. Who are you listening to as a church? Who are we being influenced by? Is it the world? 
do we hope to be attractive in the eyes of the world? We do not. We hope to be attractive to our Father. My friends, would you stand with me? Let's stand right now. As a church, let's affirm where our heart is. Let us affirm who we are influenced by. Let's take a few moments to cast our eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sing with us, sing with us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sing it one more time. And it's okay if you're not really feeling the sing. Just close your eyes and be in his presence. Here we go. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father God, we desire more than anything to cast our eyes upon you. There are so many distractions on this earth. There is so much confusion. So I pray right now over our church family. Father God, help us to not be distracted. Lord God, lead us not into temptation. Help us to see temptation. Help us turn away from temptation to your glorious face. Father God, it's the difference between darkness and light. It's the darkness between evil and good. It's the difference between the spirit of falsehood and the spirit of God. Father God, I pray on behalf of all of our people, our families, our children, our single people. Father God, help us to turn with one united voice towards you. It's in your precious son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.